The following message was recorded at Fountain of Life Fellowship in Fountain Valley, California. For more information, visit www.folfcrc.com. Well, uh, it is good to be back here at uh, Fountain of Life Fellowship. Uh, I, I think I was here uh, about six months ago, and just thank God that I could join you uh, for this Sunday uh, worship. Um, uh, it, it's interesting. A lot of uh, things have happened, right? Since I was last here, the the, the world has uh, changed. Uh, things have really uh, turned upside down, and you know, throughout the week, if you're like me, you're looking at the news every now and then, and and you know, you hear a lot of different things, a lot of different perspectives, um, and uh, you know, a lot of the news, it, it kind of leaves you a little bit more worried, maybe more angry, more frustrated, and it's, it's good that we can have a time like this where uh, we gather together like this, and uh, we get to hear from God's word to really uh, recenter us and, and get us uh, thinking rightly about life and about our situation and uh, even the situation of our communities and our nation. Um, with that, if, if you have your Bibles, can you turn with me to First uh, Peter? First Peter. And we're looking at First Peter chapter one, uh, verses 22. And uh, we're gonna read all the way to chapter two, uh, verse three. First Peter uh, chapter one, verse 22, and we'll go all the way to chapter two, uh, verse three. And this is the word of God. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth, for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God, For all flesh is like grass and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Let's pray together. Father, we come before you. Perhaps we have anxious hearts. Perhaps uh, there are certain fears, certain emotions. Uh, a lot of different things might be going on within us, and, and uh, maybe our week has been uh, such where, Lord, we really need to hear from you. How wonderful it is to hear that your word is a living and abiding word that it speaks to us, it is, uh, it is our milk that nourishes us and, and feeds us. And Lord, won't you feed us today and won't we taste again how good you are. So Lord, bless our time as we get into your word together. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, yeah, these are unprecedented times. Maybe you've heard that already a hundred times. <laughs> um, these are tough times, aren't they? Um, I can't ever remember a time like this where we're dealing with so many things uh, all at once, right? And we're dealing with so many polarizing issues. And so here we have the coronavirus that we're dealing with. And, uh, 
And so there's issues of like masks, no masks, right? Um, reopening, shutting down. A lot of people have different opinions about that. You know, it, it started with really the, in, in the beginning, it was, it was churches were dealing with that issue, uh, not only businesses, but churches. And now we're getting into a place where the school year's about to start. And people are wondering, are we going to open up schools or not? And that's become a very stressful, divisive kind of issue. And of course, um, in the middle of that was uh, a lot of racial unrest. Uh, we all know about the protests, right? And then calls to defund the police and things like that. You've seen the removal of statues and monuments and, and uh, things are just getting kind of crazy. And, and so there's all this division, you know, tension, uh, unrest that's going on. And it, it almost feels like we're, we're reaching a boiling point, right, um, as a nation. And, and we're at that point where we're also trying to look for solutions. We're looking for answers. And, uh, you know, when you look out and, and you're looking for solutions, it, it can seem a little overwhelming. The wall's too high. There's too many things. Where do you start? It's so big, right? It's so uh, complex. And, and, and so everyone's asking, where do we start? Where do we go? And, and even there, there's different opinions. You know, and for us as Christians, you know, we look at all the issues and, and all the struggles going on in the world, and, and, and really, we should be asking that question, too. Where, where do we start? Um, where do we start as, as Christians, as we look out uh, into the world? Um, and, you know, I believe God has a word for us uh, from First Peter here. <clears throat> and I think our passage gives us a starting point. That's what I like to say. That it gives us a starting point. It gives us direction. Um, you know, we're hearing all these calls to action, right, <laughs> in different ways. And, and here, I, I believe God has given the church here a call to action that, that brings about real hope and real healing. And what is that call to action? Maybe I could sum it up this way. It's for the church to be this counterculture, this counterculture community of love, this, this alien community of love within their culture, within their community, and in that way to be a visible witness to the world, um, to our communities, about the great love of God in Christ, which is the true hope and power uh, in this world. Um, you know, I look at our nation, and the last uh, 60 years have, have been a cultural experiment, if you will. Uh, this is what I mean. Uh, it's been an experiment of trying to be good without God. Trying to have community uh, without the church. And I think we're bearing the fruit of that experiment. And, and I, it's a failed experiment because uh, nothing has changed. And if you think about it, you know, a lot of things, may, maybe you can argue, have gotten worse. Um, and that's why I think it's, this is our time as a church. It's our time. You know, there's something big. There's this huge gaping hole in the midst of all the protests and arguments and division. You know, and that big thing that's missing is things like forgiveness, grace, love for our enemies, humility, self-denial, if I could sum it up, gospel love is what I think is missing in all of this. Um, the gospel teaches us that for peace and reconciliation to happen, which, which people want, 
For that to happen, gospel love is required. What is that? The, the love that's, that, that was demonstrated in Jesus Christ as he laid down his life for us, for sinners to save us. Um, now, our culture, for the most part, they don't want to hear that. <laughs> you know, they, they don't want to hear the gospel. Um, but they will watch us, won't they? From time to time, they do watch the church. They're looking at the church. What is the, how, what is the church doing? And, and I think we've got to show them as a church what kind of love you know, leads to that peace and that reconciliation. Uh, we must show them, I believe, this counterculture of love that is within the culture. Um, and so I believe this is our time because where are people going to hear? Uh, where, where are they going to hear about the gospel? Where are people going to find God and the gospel, which is the hope and power in this life and in this world? Where are they going to find that? They're not going to find it among political leaders. They're not going to be hearing this from the news pundits. It's found in the church. That's where it's found, right? And so if we care about all the things that are going on, you know, and if we love our city, if we love our neighbors, you know, if we have compassion, about what's going on, then I think we ought to be very committed uh, to loving one another. And, and I feel like that, that call to action, that's, that's very doable. <laughs> we can do that. We can start there, right? Let's, let's love one another here. Um, and so uh, at the heart of our passage uh, is this command to love one another. And I feel like in many ways I'm probably reiterating things because you guys have went through First John where you heard a lot about, you know, love one another. And so we're kind of in the same spirit here. Um, love one another. It's so basic. You hear that. If you've grown up in the church, you know, you've heard it in Sunday school, youth group, love one another. But I, I do think it's one of those things we cannot overhear that we need to hear it over and over again. Because if you're like me, uh, love is not on your short list of things to do on a given day when you wake up. Like, man, I need to love people, right? Um, our day is, you know, all about getting things done. You know, sometimes it's, our day is about getting our way, um, meeting deadlines, right? Um, making money, needing to make money. And when it's like that, you know, oftentimes love gets kind of pushed to the sidelines. It's just kind of get, it just gets lost. And when we Americans talk about what we hope to become, especially when we're younger, right? What we hope to become, what do we talk about? We talk about a profession or occupation, right? We talk about uh, success. I want to be a success. And these days, you know, a lot of people talk about being a better version of myself, you know, and things like that. But who, whoever talks about Man, I, I want to become a person who's just so full of love, that loves people well. I wake up every day going, I need to love people. Like, do we do that? And yet, if, if you read the scriptures and you, and you look at what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ, you know, here's like the center place of our faith, love. And so th this is really good to hear, I think. And I want to bring it to a church context because that's what's in view here. You know, he's not just saying love in general, but love one another, love each other in the church. And, you know, for me, church can easily turn into preparing sermons and uh, preparing uh, Bible studies, right, and uh, leading gatherings, having to make 
decisions, and especially these days, having to make tough decisions uh, for the church. And lately, uh, I'll have to admit to you, I feel like a lot of what I've been doing as a pastor is trying to be a public health expert, um, uh, trying to understand critical race theory, um, trying to figure out how to do a live stream. Uh, and uh, you know what? Love for others can kind of just get lost. You know, we just lose that priority. Um, and as a church, you know, we can get sidetracked too. We can get sidetracked by even good things like doing things for God, right? Like being used by God in some, in some uh, big way, right? And even then, sometimes we forget the importance of people and loving people. And Peter, he has no, no problem reminding us of what we already know. He has no problem doing that because uh, this, this is what we need. I think as Christians, rarely do we need new insight. You know, a lot of times we think that's what we need. We need new insight, but we don't need new insight so much. We need reminders of old truths, right? And, and here, here's a, an old, uh, very basic yet important truth. Now, um, we have to look at the context of the command. So there's the command to love one another. Uh, but the context is important because it, it helps you understand the reason, the reason why we are to love one another. And the context, what it does is it reinforces uh, the command to love one another. So look with me at verse 22. And here he's, he's giving you the context or the reason. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth, He's talking about our salvation. Having been cleansed, having been washed by your obedience, and that is your belief into the claims of the gospel about who Jesus is, he says, in that, as you think about that, that's all for a sincere brotherly love. Maybe I could sum it up like this. He's saying we have been saved for a purpose. Right? We've been saved for a specific end, and that's to love. And then he, uh, he reinforces that same thought in what he says afterwards. Um, so he says, for a sincere brotherly love, right? Love one another earnestly from a pure heart, since you have been born again. In other words, he says this. Do you know the reason why you've been born again? Here's the reason, so that you'd love and that you'd love well. Um, as a new creation, as those who've been restored in the image of God, we've been given this new D DNA, if you will, uh, to love people. And so our new life in Christ, you know, that should translate, in a sense, into love, right? If I could put it this way, uh, you have a caterpillar, Right, who, who transforms into a butterfly. And in that transformation, that butter, what's so basic to that butterfly is that now it can fly. And it's the same way with being a Christian. You know, you're a new creation. You've been transformed. That you would love and love people well. Now, as I say that, I don't want us uh, to move too quickly uh, to the big and to the grandiose things. Like, okay, then... Okay, I got to love mankind. You know, we kind of go big. 
And I think that's very American. You know, we hear a command from God, and then we want to do that as fast and as fam- famously as possible. <laughs> that's, that's what we want to do. Um, but I would say this. Well, first start with the neighbors who are closest to you, which are, which are your family members. Start right there. And love them. Love them well. And so I want to encourage everyone, don't start with the whole wide world, but start with your world as you hear this call uh, to love. But again, we also start with the church, don't we? Because that's our context. And, and love has to be what we value and what we practice. We all need to be on the same page here, right? That, that the church is a community of love. Um, and Peter in his letter, he kind of takes you through what are the very important things about a church. You know, he talks about gospel truth. You know, he talks about holiness. And then he talks about love in community. And so when you think of other church members, what do you think? Sometimes our thoughts can be bad thoughts. But when we think about others in the church, the first thing we need to think is that I need to love that person well. When I think about that person, I need to think about how to love that person. Um, the church is a community of love. If there's no love uh, in the words of Paul, then we're just noise, right? We're just, we're just kind of running around doing things. Um, he goes so far to say we're, we're nothing. Wow. If there's no love, we're nothing. That kind of puts things in perspective. Now, you know, we can often turn God's commands into uh, weapons of judgment. Maybe you're wondering, what am I talking about? Well, um, you know, if you've ever had to sit down with a kid and say, um, hey, you know, it's very important that you share. You need to share. Uh, what happens next? Does, does the kid go out there and start being a sharing machine? You know, they're like sharing their toys. They're sharing their food. They're sharing everything. No, this is what they do. They go, um, dad or teacher. Uh, they're not sharing with me. They're not sharing. They need to share. They need to share with me. The, 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 why, the reason why I bring that up is, you know, we do the same thing. Okay, we hear the call to love, and then what do we say? Man, no, nobody loves me. Who's loving me, man? I need to be loved. Or, you know, oh, you know, sometimes we get critical about the church. You know, there's, there's no love in this church. But before we go there, and there's a place to talk about that, but before we go there, can we make the gospel move? And first humbly ask ourselves, am I loving people? Do, is, is that a priority? Am I trying to do that? Because um, that's what the church is about. Am I contributing to that, that, that our community is a place of love? So he's calling us to love, right? And here Peter, he gives us a description of what that love looks like. And he says, uh, a sincere brotherly love. And it's that phrase I kind of want us to look at a little bit here. Let's break that down a little bit. So when he says sincere, he says it in other ways too, to really drive the point. He talks about loving earnestly, right? From a pure heart. If I could use a modern term, authentic. You know, we like that word, authentic. But let your love be like that. Let it be genuine, um, sincere. And so if I can elaborate what the, on what that means, it means loving uh, without an agenda, you know, without self-interest, you know. For, for us, oftentimes, we often love to, like, build up favor, you know, to get a, a benefit from someone, to get some kind of uh, return. You know, we're, 
Unfortunately, we're that generation that likes to take a selfie while we're loving people, right? Um, that's us. But to love without an agenda, that, that's part of what sincere love is. Part of sincere love is to loving without conditions. But, you know, for us, you know, we often love if, if that person is easy to love <laughs> or if they're agreeable. Um, we love if they get their act together. We love if they don't get in my way. Right? We love if they show love back to us. But boy, if it's one-sided, I'm out. Right? And so it really challenges us what, what um, the Lord is saying to us. And I think about Jesus and the, the invitation to the banquet. And, you know, he, in that parable, as he talks and as he teaches, he's telling us to invite people to your house for dinner that cannot invite you back, right? And I think as he, he challenges us in that way, he's talking about loving sincerely, where it really is love, to love when uh, there's no return for you. There, there's no direct benefit for you. And I think the test of sincere love for us is if our love ever reaches down to the weak and to the poor uh, and to the needy and to those who are lonely and to those who are unimpressive, to those who are not great conversationalists, right? to those who are outcasts. You know, love that is pure and sincere you know you're there when, uh, when your mind is full of someone else. And that was Jesus. Wasn't it amazing how, like, the crowds were all around him, but Jesus, he had a way of pay atten paying attention to people. And the reason why he could focus, even though, you know, his popularity was increasing, in, you know, many times, was that his, he had a mind full of somebody else. And that's the love we're talking about. You know, it's, it's when you love people because you love them. I know it kind of doesn't make sense. But this is the kind of love we're talking about. You love people because you love them, because you genuinely care for them, and you want to build them up. And then he says it's brotherly, sincere brotherly. The Greek word there is Philadelphia, brotherly love, right? And what that tells us is that church is a family. So our love has a very family-like quality. And so we love like brothers and we love like sisters. I mean, this is the wonderful vision that God has for us. And I want us to consider our, our own family. For the most part, you know, we love them be simply because they're family. And that's it. And that's enough, isn't it? Um, whether they vote red or they vote blue, you know, if they get sick, we're going to be there for them. Isn't that true? Or whether they lean left or right, or whether they're on this side of a hot button issue or on that side, if they're down and out, we're going to be there for them because they're our family. And even when we have nothing in common, we have really nothing to say to each other, we still think it's important to get together, right? And why? And it's because we're family. And, and the word of God is saying that the church is just like that. 
it's just like that. See, that's the beautiful and radical vision that God has regarding his church. You know, no matter our class or our age or our political leanings, our interests or even our race, it doesn't matter. We love one another like family. Um, what that means is we rejoice with those who rejoice and we weep with those uh, who weep. And this brotherly love mindset, it really helps us, I think, a lot of times when we uh, don't care about our church members. Because let's admit it, sometimes that happens. We just don't care. You know, that doesn't bother, you know, that doesn't affect me, you know, whatever. And I think here you're reminded that you know, are the relationships we have here are not informal or casual or, you know, this is, this is family. And so our love is, is this brotherly love. It has this family quality. And you know what? This is what cities and communities are dreaming about. This is what they're dreaming about. A world in which people, they have these differences, but they can come together and they could love one another like family. And see, as the church, we can show them that. We can show them that. And we have to model this, this community of love, as we invite the world to come in and to see and to experience it. Now, lastly, today I want to talk about growing in love. And Peter goes in two ways here. First, he says there's things that uh, you have to put away. Since uh, we're swimming in the world of the coronavirus, I'll, I'll, I'll refer to some of these things that he says in verse 1 of chapter 2 as viruses, okay? Uh, so, so it could really resonate. What are the viruses uh, that destroy sincere brotherly love? And he gives a whole list here. Um, I'm not going to unpack each one like a whole lot, but I will kind of go through them and just make a few comments about them, but part of growing in love is putting certain things away, so we have to understand that, okay? It's putting certain things away, and the first virus is uh, the virus of malice, he says. Put all malice away. What is malice? It's having this wicked heart that, that desires to harm people. You know, you want to see people stumble and fall, like you have that desire and you know what? That quietly resides in all of us, you know? Um, it's in us. It's near us. Um, it can rise in us very suddenly, too. Uh, and the devil's always there to tempt us, to kind of bring it out of us. Brothers and sisters, have you ever had times where you've just, you've woken up, and as you woke up, I mean, you just started having all these bad thoughts about a particular person, you know? And you're, like, mentally assassinating them. Have you ever had those moments? Have you ever had those moments where you're driving and all of a sudden you just have all these bad thoughts about a particular person? You know? Um, for me, whatever reason, when I'm driving or washing dishes, like all these malicious thoughts start coming into my mind. And, and the devil kind of works that way. And, you know, for a, as a church, we got to be vigilant about these things because we're a family, a family of very intimate relationships. Do you know how many opportunities 
Satan can find, you know, to try to drive a wedge between people in the church. You know, if, we, if, if these were casual relationships, you know, it would be a lot harder. But we're close. We rub shoulders with each other. We do life together. There's so many times to disappoint each other, you know, and, and offend one another in one way or another. And the devil just, I mean, he's just ready. And so we have to be super vigilant about that, right? Put it away completely. And then the virus of deceit, that's the opposite of a pure heart. It's, it's a soft, subtle expression of malice. Um, it's not loud, but it poisons love very slowly and quietly. And perhaps we can say it's the devil's number one strategy. You know, with Adam and Eve, the devil had malice for them. But how did he work out that malice? It was through deception, wasn't it? It was through deception. And it's through deception that, you know, he brought about the fall of man. And you know what? We are the victims of the devil too. We get deceived. But you know what's crazy is sometimes we're his accomplice. And we contribute to deception, even in our relationships in the church. And the damage of deceit, you, you can see it when it's discovered. Because when it's discovered, hey, that's when you realize, okay, I've been lied to. Okay, this is a, a betrayal. Uh, and then trust is broken. And then what happens with love? Love is poisoned. Right? So the virus of deceit, got to put that away. And then the virus of hypocrisy, which is a form of a deception, isn't it? And uh, maybe we could even say it's the antithesis or it's the enemy of sincerity. Um, and what is hypocrisy? It's being two-faced. It's being concerned about appearances. Um, it means being an actor at church, an actor. And, you know, when everyone is coming to church and they're an actor... What, does, what is church life like? You know, um, nothing is real. No one can be trusted. And then love can't flourish because there's just no truth in our relationships, right? We don't know what's really there. And so the virus of hypocrisy, and then there's the virus of uh, envy, which I think is one of the seeds of malice. Uh, in Proverbs, it says that envy rots the bones. It does. And it rots love, too. Because uh, what envy does, it turns people who are brothers and sisters in the faith into competition and into rivals and into enemies. And envy can take a person very quickly, can take them from a place of meekness <laughs> into a monster. Don't underestimate what envy can do. And then there's the virus of slander. If church members become rivals, what's the easiest way for you to feel superior to them? Slander them. Slander them. Slander is being malicious with your words. We don't have to go too deep into this, but I just want to ask you the question, how are we with our words? How do we talk about one another? You know, is it with love and 
grace and some kind of understanding? Or is it cutthroat, judgmental, and that it leads to, you know, slander? So, okay, we need to grow in love. He said, put away these things, these viruses, get rid of them. But he also talks about how is it that we can grow. And he says, long for that spiritual milk. And in that way, you will grow. And context tells us what Peter's talking about here is growing in love. Growing in love. And what is the milk? And I think the context helps us again. It's the word of God. It's the word of God. And in particular, the gospel. Now, the word of God and the gospel, Peter here, he kind of uses those synonymously. And the reason why he does that is because the content and substance of the word of God is the gospel. The good news of Jesus Christ. And if you look at verse 23, we see that it's the gospel that gave birth to us. It is the means in which someone is born again. So let's remember something here. Uh, Christianity is not just an ideology. I wouldn't even put it in that category, actually. And Christianity is not doctrine. It's not just doctrine. When we think about what the gospel is, it is the power of God unto salvation. For all those who believe, it makes a man new. I mean, it's an amazing thing if we think about it. When the gospel is preached, when it's received, a man becomes a new creation. It's unbelievable. And so what the gospel does is it implants uh, what the Bible says is an imperishable seed. An imperishable seed. That means it gives birth to life that is eternal. And if you think about it, that's amazing. And that's why the gospel is amazing. And that's why he says, this is the living and abiding word. The word of God remains forever in that what it produces in a man remains forever. And so if we follow Peter's thought here, he says that the gospel, which caused us to be born again, I mean, just it, it made us new. It's that same gospel that continues to feed us and nourishes us so that, you know, we would love. And so in some ways, the gospel, it has these maternal qualities, right? It gives birth to us, and then it feeds us, and it nourishes us. Is this an important point? It is. And, and we got to pay attention to this because... Love is not easy. Let, let, let's, let, let's face that, right? Love, it's, it's not easy. Sincere brotherly love, all that I've described, that's challenging when you get right down to it. It's challenging. And on our own, you know, we're going to fall on our face. That's just the truth. On our own, there's, there's really no hope to, to love people and to love people well. Jesus himself, he makes it clear that love is a death move. Who wants to do that? Who wants to enter into death? But love is a death move. Um, What is love? You know, that I laid down my life for my brothers, for my friends. Right? We have to understand love is is an entering into suffering. 
We, we, we forget that sometimes. That's why, you know, sometimes we'll enter into love, we'll take a few steps in, and we're like, I, I'm out. <laughs> That's too much. That's too intense. That's too hard. So it's very important. We're looking here and we're going, okay, what is it that helps us to really grow? And uh, Peter's saying it, it's the word of God. It's the gospel. It's the gospel. The gospel is the only thing that's going to give us the power to love and to love well and to keep loving people. Because what do you find in the gospel? You find in the gospel that we ourselves have received a sincere brotherly love from our Lord Jesus Christ. And when we think about that, man, that's when we can love uh, people. You know, Jesus, you know, he loved us because he loved us. You know, we don't, we don't, we don't get, um, we're not privy to, uh, to why he chose us and he loved us. It just says that he did. And it just says that he delights in us. And we're his treasured possession. So take that to heart today. Why does God love me? He loves us because he loves us. And it's so pure. It's so earnest. It's so sincere. You know, there's no self-interest in Christ's love for us. He gave up himself for us. He paid the price for our sins. He, he was nailed to the cross to save us. And he loved us without conditions. You know, we had nothing to offer him except for these open hands of faith to just receive his grace. We have nothing to offer him. And Jesus didn't wait for us to kind of reform ourselves or get our act together. He's like, do that first, and then, you know, I'll make a move and I'll love. No, he didn't do any of that. He loved us without conditions. And in fact, he loved us. The Bible goes even further than that. He says he loved us while we were still sinners. Wow. He loved us while we were still his enemies. And though we were his enemies, he treated us like family, right? He loved us like, like we were his brothers and sisters, and that's what we are. And that's what he calls us now. We got to drink that in. That's what Peter's talking about. We got to drink that in. Um, I love what uh, Jesus says to Mary Magdalene after, uh, after his resurrection. He says, uh, he says to her in Matthew 28, he says, um, Mary, uh, go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and I will see them there. That's what he says to them. He doesn't say, go to my disciples, go to my followers, tell them I'll meet them there. He says, go tell my brothers, because that's who they are. They're my brothers. Go tell them that I'm going to meet them in Galilee. And even just those words, and, and that's what he says even to us. Jesus says, my brother, my sister. And, you know, the gospel, see, that's... That's what feeds us the love from heaven that helps us to love uh, one another. Love cannot help but sprout out of us 
when we are feeding on the gospel, when the gospel is at work. And so we got to be in this book to keep growing in love. We got to stay here too. Maybe some of us, we've been walking in the faith for a while. We're like, I kind of know the book. <laughs> no, we got to stay in it to keep growing. The gospel has so much depth and beauty to it that there's so much there to show us God's love for us. And, and so we got to go there. Um, our church is doing a series in First Peter. I, I, I preached this maybe a month ago. And right after I preached this, God connected me to someone in our neighborhood. Now, we're in kind of an urban, gritty neighborhood. And, and so, you know, it's kind of a rough area. But I was able to connect with this, this one guy. He's, he's in his late 20s. And uh, find out he's gone through really tough times. He, he's a broken person. You know, he's in trouble with the law, and it's scaring him. His relationships, though, are broken, too, um, in different ways. And the guy is just trying to do life by himself in a lot of ways. He's kind of on this island. Now, he has a girlfriend in which he has two kids. They all live together, but it's like they're, like, on this island trying to do life, and they can't. And it, you know, they're reaching a breaking point. And, um, and so he, he, he came seeking the Lord. And, uh, and so he reached out to us in many ways. It's kind of a long story how we got connected. But it was interesting as I talked to him. He was like, yeah, you know, um, I thought when I came that you, were, you guys were just going to send me to the Hispanic church down the street. You know, um, he, he wasn't sure because, you know, our church, you know, we were birthed out of an immigrant Korean church. And so, you know, many of us are Asian and, and Korean. Um, you, know, he's, uh, you know, he's Hispanic. So he was a little shocked that we didn't send him off to Hispanic church, but he was willing to meet with us. And we've been meeting the past four uh, weeks. Um, still hasn't accepted Christ yet, but we're praying for that. He's willing to meet. He is seeking God. And I'm just so thankful for that. Um, but yeah, you know, he was, he was a little surprised that we kind of received him and, and just wanted to love him. And so it's been so good. And it's something that I've been praying for. And who knew that I would make this connection during a time of COVID, right? You know, but here we are. And, and the reason why I share this story is because I think these are the ways in which as a church, you know, we bring about the real change, you know, the gospel change. You know, um, I know we all want to be world savers and you want to go big. But as a church, I mean, I think this is the great starting point, you know, that, that we really love one another and um, that we're just looking around our neighborhood and our communities and, and extending love and grace and always being ready that whoever walks in that door, that they would be just shocked and stunned by the love that is, you know, in this place, you know, to be ready for that. And, and so, you know, imagine every church is like this cup that just overflows, you know, that there's so much love in this place that it just can't help but just kind of spill out 
into our social circles, neighborhood, communities. And if every church on the different blocks were doing that, it would bring about the change that the world is actually dreaming about. And so I just want to encourage uh, your church to be about, you know, loving one another as the love of Christ is in you. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we uh, come before you and uh, we live, we are living in, in a world that is so messy and, and broken. Um, we live in a world that's so angry about so many things. We live in a world that is full of fear about all kinds of things. Uh, there's so much more uncertainty and un unknowns than that we're used to. We're not used to this, these things, God. And, and as we live in this world, we see that it is our time as a church to really be the church in the world. Because, Lord, we know that all the power and hope that the world is dreaming about, we have it right here in our churches. We have the gospel, the revelation of the love of God that is found in Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. And I just pray, Lord, that that we can do the things that you call us to do, these very basic things that sometimes seem slow, inefficient, uh, uh, things that seem, might, that might seem indirect or, or it's too passive. But, Lord, this is the way you work. Lord, help us to love the way that you love us. Let there be so much love in this place that any time anyone comes in, that they sense it. They sense a love that is from another world. And to bring this love uh, to those who are around us, Lord, we know that this is a great place to, to start. And so, Lord, we pray for your spirit to do these things. Love is not our instinct. It's not, it's not what we do well. So, Lord, we seek your grace and we seek your strength in this. And, um, and Lord, we pray you build up your church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. And we invite you to visit us Sunday mornings here at Fountain of Life Fellowship. For more information, visit www.folfcrc.com.